It's all about you and your birthright. You see, a long time ago, before the foundation of this earth was laid, many angels and messengers gathered around God to see what He would speak over your calling. What would be the thing that your life will be created to accomplish? You see, the scriptures actually say in 1 Timothy 1 verse 9, He who has saved us and called us with a set-apart calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and favor, which was given to us in Messiah Yeshua before times of old. You see, before the creation of the heavens and the earth, it was just about you and your birthright. And that was the beginning and end of your existence. And that is what God purposed for your existence to be. What you, when you are going to be created and, and come into this earth, what is the thing that you will accomplish while here? You see, we all have different talents, different things that we are good at, different things that God can use us in. But it all comes back to the one big universal calling of building the kingdom of God. Our lives must bring glory to His kingdom through everything we do. And so our per- we need to understand what is our purpose. And then above all else, we need to live a life to ensure that we accomplish everything that that purpose entails. Every word that God spoke of your life before the foundation of this earth was laid, you need to ensure that every one of those words are actually accomplished. You see, it's one thing to have a calling and a mission given to you. It's another to accomplish it. But what if we fail this calling that God places on our life? And what are the consequences? See, the the story of Jacob and Esau actually comes and demonstrates to us what happens on a case like that. When Jacob stole Esau's birthright, and we see an outline of consequences on Esau's life, what could have been and what happened as a consequence of Esau's bad decisions. In this teaching, you will understand the importance of your birthright. You will understand why this is the number one thing that you need to sit down and think about for your life. To ensure that you do pursue the fullness of what God has called you to do. The story of Jacob and Esau starts with a barren woman. Rebecca, Isaac's wife, is barren. And Actually, very similarly to Sarah, Abraham's wife, who was barren before her. How interesting that God chooses to bring Israel through this line full of barren women. Full of women who don't seem to be fruitful. Why is this? You see, unlike Sarah, who went and proposed that her husband Abraham takes the maidservant, And gets a child through her. Rebecca does something differently. The first thing Rebecca does is to go to her husband. Who then goes directly to Yahweh, to God. And and he pleads with the father to open her womb. While the first reaction of this couple was to go to the father about this matter. Sarah 
went her own way. She tried to make her own ideas up and, and figure out how is she going to solve this problem, despite the promise of God that she will conceive a child, even in her old age. She goes and she, Sarah goes and, and pushes her, her maidservant forward and said to Abraham to take her as a, a partner to conceive a child through her. You see the difference. We see that Abraham, who was, when God came to him, basically a pagan. And we see through the lines, a cleansing process starts taking place where Sarah and Abraham made many mistakes, which now when Isaac and Rebecca face, they're making better decisions because now they're not trying to make their own plan. With Rebecca, who's barren, she's they're going and they're going to God and they're like, God, please, we, we lift this up. We all said you would you would do a miracle. You see, the difference is simply this trusting in God versus trusting in the devices of men. And see what ought to happen is we are to teach our children and they're to teach their children to trust in God. So that through the lines that God blesses us with, we are to become more pure and separate from the ways of the world and the paganism that we were once in. But why were both Rebecca as well as Sarah Barron in the first place? I want to submit to you that God wanted to prove a point that even through the wombs of barren women, he can bring forth the miracle of the greatest nation that will bless every other nation on earth. That blessing, that promise to Abraham that he will make him his seed as the, much as the stars in the heavens. He made that promise happen through a woman, women, various women who were previously unable to conceive children. Now, if God was able to do that, provided that these women put their trust in him, it paints an important message for us too, that we need to lift up the promises of God and trust him to the end, even if everything speaks against it, even if everything seems to go against what he has promised. No matter what happens in this world, God calls us to not try and fight the battles that we face in this world with the things and devices of this world, but instead with him with having our faith placed in him. You see, not Yeshua, nor his disciples, nor any other follower of Christ ever really tried to fight the battles in this world with their own devices. And when they did, they utterly failed. God calls us as his disciples to fight the, the battles we face with God. In fact, we are not really the ones who fight. God says in the Exodus, when he took Israel through the, the Exodus, through the, the wilderness, that I will fight for you. And similarly, God says the same. And in this birthright that we are about to talk about, it's the same thing. It's very much about trusting God, asking God, God, what is my birthright? And then trusting God and saying, God, I give you my birthright. I give you my life. I give you my life as a living sacrifice unto you. And you need to do with it whatever you wish so that my life can be pleasing unto you. You see, it all 
begins and ends with faith in God and trust in God, no matter what this world looks like. If God gave you a calling, a birthright, a, a whatever that looks so different and far off from where you currently are, something that, that doesn't make sense, how am I ever going to get there? Like when God gave me a, a, a word through someone four or five years ago, I am going to call you. I'm calling you into full time ministry at that point in my life. That was so far away from even the things that I desired so far away from anything that seemed possible. And yet I stand here today, not because I try to figure it out alone, not because I try to make my own plan, which would have all fallen flat, but because I waited on God. And see, that's the key. Trust and wait on God like Rebecca trusted and waited on God, even though she was barren, even though she was able to conceive a child for years. She believed and waited on God. But Rebecca again, shortly thereafter, becomes distraught yet again, because now the children that she's she's feeling that there is a, a battle inside her womb, that these children are striving against each other and she Yet again, the first thing she does is not try and figure it out alone. The first thing she does is go to Yahweh, to God, and she asks him. She says, Genesis 25, verse 22. And within her, the children struggled together. And she said, if all is right, why am I this way? So she went to ask Yahweh. You see, God was intently waiting for her to come to him before he spoke. You see, oftentimes we're confused. We're like, God, well, what's going on, Lord? What should I do, Lord? Uh, There's so much going on. But we never go to ask him ourselves. We go to all kinds of people and there's nothing necessarily wrong with going to people. But we go to people and we try. That's our first avenue. The first thing that we try and do is go to someone else instead of using this ability we have to speak to God directly. God said to her, two nations are in your room and two people shall be separated from your body. And one people shall be stronger than the other and the older shall serve the younger. Now, God gives us this first glimpse of this interesting thing that's about to happen, where he tells Rebecca that there's two nations in her room, but the younger will, will rule the elder. And so this is something quite interesting and different because the elder, the firstborn, was considered the one who has the biggest birthright or the most blessings oftentimes poured out on them. But here, God from the get go is is prophesying to Rebecca and saying, with you, this will be different. There is going to be a different thing that happens. Why? Because God wants to teach us something incredibly important. You see, this story predates just about all the stories in the Bible. It's one of the very first things we read back in Genesis. One of the very first things that God wants to teach his people. And it's about a birthright. So when Rebecca gives birth, she the first child that comes out is a very hairy child, as described in the scriptures, and they call him Esau. Well, the second child, just as it's coming out, it actually grabs the heel of the firstborn. Jacob, the the second child, grabs the heel of Esau. And as he comes out, he is called Jacob, which means complete or perfect. And then over the course of the next four verses, this story travels far into the future 
for when the time when Jacob and Esau are all grown up. What happens next is that Esau goes out into the field because he was a mighty hunter, while Jacob is cooking a stew at home. And as Esau returns from his hunt, he's incredibly weary and tired and worn out to the point where he even says that he feels like he's going to die. And he begs Jacob for some of this red stew. You see, it's interesting because the scriptures define the stew as red. But what is the significance of that? When we look at when at the birth of the boys, I want to remind you that Esau's name literally means hairy and it can also mean red. So like red hair, you know, and so Esau was probably a ginger child and he, we see this red stew presented to him. And what happens that Esau's eye catches the red stew and he deeply desires it. The, the color red that corresponds with his, his color probably refers to how this was some, something that Esau deeply desired. And it was probably his favorite as well. But then we read something interesting. Jacob said to Esau that he can, you'll give him the red stew if Esau sells him his birthright today. And Esau said, look, I'm going to die. So why should I have a birthright? And Jacob said, swear to me today. And he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Jacob then gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. And he ate and drank and rose up and left. Thus Esau despised his birthright. You see, Esau sold his birthright for a little bit of stew. And why would someone like him, why would he do that? Why, why, why would it possess him to do such a thing? You see, Esau was drawn away by the lust of his flesh. The stew represents the world. It represents the things that the world offers. And so he was very much intrigued by it and wanted that. And he chose it and he lifted up this temporary satisfaction, this temporary fulfillment above a birthright that stretches eternity. You know, I mentioned how our birthrights were given to us before the foundation of this earth is laid. You see, it stretches eternity. From the day you're born to the day you'll die and beyond, your birthright defines many will define many things in your life, as well as after your life, whether you if you followed through with accomplishing what your birthright was supposed to do or whether you didn't. You see, we even have a picture of this in the New Testament with Yeshua, with Jesus, when he went into the wilderness, just like Esau went into the wilderness, if you will. Yeshua was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And in that place, Satan came to tempt him. Satan came to offer him. He said, why don't you just command these stones to become bread? And Yeshua said, we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I don't live by what this world offers me. It's not what I live for. It's not what I was created for. I live for what God proclaims over me. I live by what God calls me to do. How I should walk is what I live by. You see the difference. Esau 
said, let me just get this to you. Let me just get this. I, I just need to satisfy my flesh. While Yeshua said, I don't need to satisfy my flesh. Oh, Satan, I've been fasting for 40 days. You've got nothing on me. <laughs> Satan thereafter comes and tells Yeshua that if you will bow down before me, I will give you all the kingdoms of this world. And Yeshua, Jesus answered and said, get out of my way, Satan. I will serve God alone. He is all that I live for. You see, there is this whole idea of will you desire the world and the things of the world, the satisfactions of the world, the kingdoms of the world? If, or will you desire the things of God that may not always seem as attract, attractive? You see, what does it profit a soul if he gains the whole world? It loses his very soul. Yet that is exactly what happens to many people every single day who die and who will one day have to face God for it. You see, there is this idea that, you know, God, Satan comes to us in our wilderness, just like with Esau, just like with Yeshua. We will all have our wilderness season and Satan will come and tempt us and ask, what do you want? What do you really want? What, what would please you? And it's interesting because when you look at the beginning, we see that how the spirit of God was the one that led Yeshua into the wilderness. That means that God is using Satan in the wilderness to test us. He is presenting a contrast. He is presenting life and death, just like in the Exodus, God came to Israel and he says, I give you life. I give you death. Choose life, but I give you the option. I give you free will, just like with Adam and Eve. I give you life and death. Choose life. And see, as Esau actually left, as he ate and drank and he left, the scriptures say that Esau despised his birthright. You see, to go and sell your Birthright, what God has placed on your life, God has called you to do for some fleshly temporary desire is saying to God that I despise what you have proclaimed over my life. I don't want any of it. But to do that is incredibly dangerous because what we then soon thereafter see is that curses start overtaking the life. Of Esau. It shouldn't be really a big surprise because as I've mentioned, God really comes to us and asks us, here's blessing and here's curse. Here's life, here's death. Choose life. And if we don't choose life, we choose death. We choose the satisfaction of the, that the world can bring us, the temporary things. In effect, we're choosing death. It's like picking fast food over vegetables every day. It's like watching TV 24-7 instead of reading your Bible and getting with God. You see, there are these little choices we have every single day that really play a big role in where we will stand before God one day with our birthright. It is not always just a one-time event. It is rather often a lifestyle. What are you living and breathing on every single day? Because see, the problems of Esau didn't start here with his encounter of Jacob. It's, he didn't despise his birthright like just on this day. It wasn't a one-time thing. He has been despising his birthright for a long time. 
But see, what God really did here with Jacob is that Esau's birthright was not only taken from him, but actually transferred to Jacob. In other words, if God places a calling on your life, but you fail to pursue it, you despise your birthright, if you will. God is not going to be like, oh, well, now I can't do anything anymore. Now I'm not going to be able to do what I wanted you to do. No, God is going to take that calling that he's given you and he's going to place it on someone. else. He's going to give it to someone else. Do you remember the, the parable of the talents? The man, the men, Yeshua talked about these men who they had these talents, they had these things given to them by God. The one went and he buried it. He was afraid, it said. While the others went and invested it, they went and, 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 and worked on it, if you will. And they went to make sure that it would be bring profit for when the master comes back. And what happened when the master came back and saw the one who had nothing, who had nothing to show for it? He throwed him away. But those who showed that that brought an investment, who brought profit, he gave them more and more and more. He increased their talents. He increased the blessing, therefore, that comes with that and everything else. You see, God is not going to have a loss if you throw away what he has called you to do. What you have been received, like we read in the beginning in Timothy, is by the grace and mercy of God. It's not by your own works. It's not by any of that. It's simply by the grace and mercy of God to accomplish that which you are to accomplish in Messiah Yeshua for the glory of God. And so those things are incredibly important. If you do not do those things, you will lose it and it will be deposited into someone else. And that is exactly what happened with Jacob. Even though he was the second born, even though he was unqualified from the world's perspective at the time, God still used him mightily, so mightily that his name was changed to Israel later. And from his lineage would come the line of Israel, which would bring forth Jesus himself, Yeshua, the Messiah. Jacob had that privilege, which was probably going to have probably going to be Esau's privilege. But Jacob inherited it because Esau despised what God called him to do. From Genesis 26, verse 35, we then start reading about the curses that are coming upon Esau because of his despising of his birthright. One of the first things is that the choice of women that he marries is not a good choice. And it actually brings real depression on his parents where we read that and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. But it doesn't stop there. He doesn't just marry the wrong woman. But the biggest curse that can ever overtake anyone overtakes him. And that is that he misses his blessing. Esau comes to his father, Isaac, and he says, Father, I'm going to give you, I'm going to go get you some meat. I'm going to bring meat to you. I'm going to hunt so that you can bless me. And as Esau goes to do this, he's going into the world and he's busy with that. But then... Rebecca comes and tells her son, Jacob, to go and present himself to Isaac as Esau. And so Jacob goes and he deceives his father to bless him instead of Esau. But when Esau comes back, Esau is greatly distressed. 
Isaac said to him, Who are you? And he answered, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it that then hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, Is he not rightfully named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he's taken away my blessing. Then he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? You see, with this, this incredibly, terribly sad story, Esau not only loses his birthright, but as a consequence of giving away and despising his birthright, he also loses the blessing. You see, it's intricately connected. You cannot say, God, I, I want the blessing, but I don't want to do what you called me to do. God, I want all the nice things in life. I want all the health and wealth and prosperity, but I don't want the birthright. I don't want what you placed in my life to do. I want to do my own thing. I want to go and hunt and hunt and hunt and go in the world and toil and do what I want to do. Follow my own career path. Instead of what you have called me, Lord, Lord, I don't need what you called me to do, but give me the blessing. You see, today we have the same thing. Many are like, God, God, God. Oh, Lord, just give me prosperity. Just give me health, wealth, all that. And oh, Lord, don't forget to give me heaven, too. But Lord, don't let me do all those things that the disciples did. Don't let me go and have to feed the poor and, and pray for people and and, and follow these commandments, which are so burdensome. Oh, God, I don't want to do that stuff, Lord. But give me the blessing and give me the key into heaven. Does that sound familiar? It's exactly what so many believers fall into. Many people fall into their selfish ambition, evil, fleshy desires. They want a temporary instant satisfaction of fast food instead of the maturity that the father can bring us if we have solid relationship with him sell ourselves all out for him die to ourselves and become a living sacrifice for him to pursue all that he has placed on our lives you see brother sister god is not fool there is no way that you can say oh god i don't want to do this birthright thing but give me the blessing if you get rid of your birthright you get rid of the blessing and so God, while this is all like this, God's desire was to bless Esau. His desire was to get, let Esau walk out his birthright. That's why God gave him the birthright in the first place. And God desires you. He desires to bless you. He desires to overtake you with blessing. He really loves you. But you must go and undertake the birthright he's given you and the callings he's given you and walk all of that out. Because it's not, it's not a one-way relationship. You need to give back to the kingdom of God too. You were created to have intimacy with God, but you were also created to give glory to His kingdom and all you do and build His kingdom. And if you fail that, by nature, death will come. So just like Yeshua denied Satan in the wilderness, we ought to be wary and protect our birthright. We need to make sure that we won't sell our birthright to the devil. We are not going to be like Adam and Eve to sell out to the devil. We're not going to 
We're going to be like Yeshua who said, get away from me, Satan. I'm not giving you my birthright. I'm not giving you all I have as the son of God for some temporary satisfaction here on earth for this kingdom that you're trying to provide me. We need to have our eyes on eternity. We need to have our eyes on the kingdom of God. You see, when Yeshua was standing there before the kingdoms of the world and Satan was offering it to him, it looked incredibly beautiful and, and pretty and it looked all well, just like that fruit looked so pleasant to the eyes for Eve. But the temporary satisfaction that it offers is never worth it. And we should ought to be so careful to not fall for it. Keep your eyes on eternity and the things of God. The things that don't always look so pretty. It looks hard. It looks difficult. It's a, it's a narrow path. It's not the wide path that leads to destruction. It's a narrow, hard way that's easy to fall off. And it's not the most, the most pretty way too. You know that wide path? It's plated with gold. There are flowers along the way. It smells good. It, it feels good. It looks good. But it's not truly good. You see that narrow path, that's the little ground path walked out by others before us, not even not even paved. But when we reach the end of it, we get to a different destination than those on the wide path to hell. You see, God desires us to be on the narrow path. He desires us to pick up our cross and follow him and ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do every day? Father, here I am. Send me to where you want me to go, no matter how deep, how dark, how hard it is. It doesn't matter what it costs me. Lord, you need to send me. That is what it means to make sure to ensure that God will have his way in your life. Above that, we don't have to worry. It is all about submitting our life unto God. And when we do that, he will definitely ensure that we accomplish the callings he's placed on our life. He will not let, allow you to present yourself to him and say, Lord, you need to have your way. And he won't allow you to accidentally overlook your calling or accidentally walk past your calling. Or No, the way we miss our calling is if we don't present ourselves as a willing servant to the Father. And so present yourself as a willing servant, just like Yeshua. He was a servant to all, a servant to God. And God calls us to be like that. And so with this all, we need to also remember that what Jacob did was also not good. Jacob deceived his brother greatly two times. First with his birthright and also with the blessing. While what Jacob did was wrong, it was still used by God to bring judgment on Esau. But the fact that Jacob was so incredibly blessed because Jacob received the birthright and the blessings of Esau instead because of Esau's rejection thereof, Jacob brought forth Israel from his seed. But it's a demonstration. It's a picture. It's how is God is doing this because he wants to demonstrate to us that even if we have been we have done bad things, even though we have deceived others, even though we have a really dark past. God can still bless us if our hearts are based on him and the birthrights that he wants to give us. You see, Jacob wanted the birthright, even though he was deceptive in his heart was not always in the right place. 
He desired the right thing and that he desired the birthright that God gave him. He wasn't always sure how to get it. He wasn't sure how to walk it out and he made many mistakes. But his heart was on God's birthright. And so even though God used, even though Jacob did all this, God still used him mightily. Even though Sarah gave uh, the maidservant to Abraham and didn't trust God, God still used her mightily. Even though Rachel and Sarah were barren and unable to have children, God did a miracle and used them mightily. Even though Abraham rejected Sarah as his wife and and rather said, you need to tell everyone you're my sister, God still used them mightily. And even though Isaac did the same to Rebecca by telling Rebecca that you are, tell everyone you're my sister because I'm afraid. I don't, I don't believe, I I don't know if God is going to protect us. Like I'm afraid. So you tell everyone you're my sister, even though they did that, even though they made these terrible mistakes. God still used them mightily. You see, all of them made massive mistakes along the way. But all of their hearts were on the goal and the promise of God. The promise that was given to Abraham. Similarly, in our race, in this race we are today, we will make many mistakes along the way. Mistakes we ought to do everything in our power to avoid. But we will fall short now and then. But with that, we must just ensure that we have our eyes on the promise What is the promise? Yeshua. Yeshua is the promise. The promise of Abraham that was given to Abraham manifested and was fulfilled in Yeshua. That he came to save us from our sins. In the same way, he saved Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, all of them. Even though they made many mistakes, he saved them from their sins because they had their eyes on God through it all. And so, brothers and sisters, I encourage you to keep your eyes on the Father. Everything that you do ought to be, you need to be asking the question, is this going to help me accomplish the callings that God has placed on my life? And if you're not sure, all that God needs is your heart. He just needs you to say, Father, have your way in me. Let your kingdom come in my life. Lord, let me not be confused and look at other things of this world and be distracted by careers and and all the money and the cars and the family and all these other things, which some of it can be nice and some of it can be good, but not all of it is going to profit his kingdom. There's a time and a place for everything. And we need to ensure that in this time we serve the Lord. May God bless you and keep you, shine his face upon you, lift up his counsel upon you, give you shalom and grace. And thank you for sticking through in this teaching. I'll see you guys in the next video and have an amazing weekend. I will sing to my faithful desert father. I will sing to my faithful desert father.